0: Uh, we're going to be in uh, Psalm 63 uh, tonight. Um, this psalm is uh, a, a, a title. Of the psalm is a psalm of David when he's in the wilderness of Judah. Um, most commentators believe it belongs to. Uh, there's there's a couple times in which it could be when he's in the wilderness, uh, fleeing from Saul, but it seems to be more likely when. Uh, He's in the wilderness fleeing from Absalom. Uh, He does make reference uh, as far as being a king in this psalm, but he still could be in reference to when he was being chased by Saul. Uh, But it seems seems to me more likely maybe when he is kind of exiled from the throne there, kind of a king without a throne uh, during the time when Absalom is... uh, 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 you know, making his coup against him. So so I think that may be when this time is. Uh, it's another interesting psalm where uh, David once again shows his confidence. He shows he doesn't really, even in his time of need, it's very impressive to me that he shows his confidence and his praise uh, to God. Uh, let's look at verses 1 and 2. Uh, He says, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Um, We see here where David, he starts off, O God, you are my God. I like how David always refers to God, just not as God, but my God. Um, and I think this is uh, important because, you know, you think of a time where uh, worships of idols were pretty prevalent. Uh, there were many different gods in which they served. There was a lot of things that went on. And, and for David to specify that God is his God, uh, one says that there's only one God, but two, that it makes it personal for David. He recognizes that God is his God. Um, and I think that's why he's able to say... Early will I seek you, my soul thirsts for you. Um, David is, I mean, think about early. Notice he says here, early uh, will I seek you. Uh, There's a couple different ways you can look at this. One, you know, maybe David is thinking of God first thing. You know, how often do when we wake up in the morning that God is the first thing that we think about? that we meditate that as far as just thinking about and studying His Word, praying to Him. How often is that the first thing that we do? Do you think it would be, a, you think it would be beneficial to do that? You know, we talk about thinking of Him you know, throughout the day, but what about first thing? I mean, think about how our day goes usually. Um, you know, we get up, we've all got all kinds of things we've got to do. We get busy, and, and then before you know it, a lot of things clutter our minds. But if we were to fill our mind with things of, of, from God's Word, meditating upon Him, if that's what we fill our mind with first, would that help us deal with the things that we deal with throughout the day? Um, yeah, it would. Absolutely it would. Um, and uh, David here, you think about his time of need, him hiding out, him running here in the wilderness. He's saying that this is the first thing, early will I seek you. Um, One, you you can look at it as as far as the time of day being the first thing that you do. But two, you can look at when you're in distress that God is the first one you go to. You know, early early in my distress, early uh, in my time of of need, early whatever we're going through that we seek God first. Instead of seeking everything else that we can find in this world to fix what's going on, Maybe it's God that we need to seek first. We seek Him early in our time. We can look at it, we seek Him early uh, in our lives. You know, the Bible says, seek thy creator uh, in our youth. You know, that, that, is that beneficial? To always search out God first and have God forefront of our mind as we're growing up? I think that would dictate a lot of decisions and things that we do in our life. So notice here how David, he, uh, he, he's saying that, God is important to him, that God is his God, but and how early that he will seek him. Um, in, in Psalms 90 and verse 14, he says, Satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. You know, you think about the things that we go through in our life and the things we face each day if God is the first one we go to in our time of need, first one we go to in, in our time of joy. In other words, if he's first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things should be added to you. So if, if, if we go to God early, there's so many benefits for that. Now, does that mean that it's, it's going to change? Does that mean we, we won't have trouble? I don't think it may necessarily take away the trouble, It could, you know, it could taking that time and spending and meditating and praying to God. That could give us time to kind of be still and think about what is the right decision to do. And it may help help us through or around the trouble that we're facing. But even if it doesn't, even if we still go through it, are we able to go through it better with God on our side? Are we able to go through it better with us thinking about God as we're going through it? So I think uh, recognizing God as His God, but also recognizing the importance of of seeking Him early, uh, seeking Him first, seeking Him as a priority, uh, is a big thing also. In Proverbs 8 and verse 17, notice what, what it says here. Proverbs 8 and verse 17, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Um, think about all the things that we well let's just read a little bit farther this kind of tie in with this he says my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water so what's David saying about his relationship to God and how he yearns to, to be close to God and how he yearns to uh, uh, his desire is to look for him and, and get his guidance what's he referring to here I'm glad I got an eye appointment this weekend. I can't see with him or without him. So, he—he uh, he, just like being in a dry, thirsty land. You know, think about being out in the desert. You've been out there for days. You have no water. Well, what would your feelings be toward water at that time? Yeah, it'd be all you're thinking about, all you're wanting. You realize at that point, okay, maybe I didn't get enough credit to water, <laughs> of how important water is. To my life, David here says that he's seeking after him. He says, "My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water." So again, think of David's situation. David is uh, here, in essence, a king without a throne. You know, he's in hiding in Judah. He uh, in Judah there. He's in the wilderness. He's in a place different than where he would have been, where he could go worship, where he could. You know, and he even talks about it in the sanctuary here. He says, uh, so I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. David put a lot of importance, not just on a building, but how important it was to worship God, how important it was to be close to God. And he he didn't see that as a chore. He didn't see that as a just a habit. He seen that as something that he wanted to do. Now he's in a place where it's not as easy to do that. You know, he can't just... Go back there and worship, Kenny. He? Uh, he, he's running for his life once again. And he says, so now, just like a person being in the desert that needs water, he said, that's how I am longing for you. You know, in his deepest time here of, of need, he, he's, he's, he's showing God, I'm longing for you. I'm, I'm running, I'm in this place, but it's you that I, I, I long to be around. It's you that I long uh, to worship. Sometimes we have to be in a place like that to to kind of get to that decision, don't we? Uh, Again, how often do we think of God during the day? How often do we, you know, do we, just like Job said, I'll trust in your word like my necessary food. Here David is saying I'm longing for you like being in a, a thirsty land, a dry, thirsty land. That's how I'm longing for you. How many times during the day do we think of God as being that important to us? that we yearn to be there, uh, to come to worship, to come to Bible study. Did, were you thinking all day long, I, I just can't wait to get there to study God's Word? Not, not to look at my beautiful face and hear my wonderful voice, but to actually you know, study God's Word. How often do we think about that much today? Do we think about uh, uh, coming to worship Sunday? What if that uh i believe it during covid at the first start of especially i think we thought of it a little bit more didn't we uh i think that kind of showed us how maybe we might take that for granted a little bit just the ability to come out and do that uh just to be together collectively as a group sometimes it takes not being able to do that to realize how important that is to us so on the flip side of that Doing that sometimes we can get into a rut to where during our everyday life we don't think about it much. Uh, during our Bible study time or during worship, sometimes we just think of it as something I have to do. I have to go to Bible study. I have to go to church. Do we say I'm longing to do that like, like I'm in a desert and I need water? Do we long for God in that way? Um, you know, that's, that's just a question each one of us has to ask ourselves. You know, how, how much do we long to um, be that close to God? You know, now think about that. Man has a desire within us to be close to God. But the problem is, I think we many times don't recognize it as that. So what do we do? We try to fill that void or that feeling of wanting to do that with other things. stuff. Our job, our families maybe, money, uh, entertainment. You know, some people go to drugs. Whatever it is, they're trying to feel that void of that emptiness, that, that longing for something. When it's really God that we should long for and that I think we do, we just mask that with other things. And don't realize, you know, uh, have you ever, I, I actually said this to someone one time. And I was referring to, uh, to God in it. But I said to him, you know, maybe you're chasing the wrong thing. I don't think you're ever going to find that happiness or that feeling in the path that you're going. You're never going to be happy that way. You think this is going to make you happy. You think if I just do this one thing, that's going to make me where I'm content. That's going to make me where um, uh, I'm satisfied. I'm, I'm happy. And David here is saying he can't be happy unless he's as close as he possibly be to God. That's where his happiness is going to be. But yet sometimes we try to fill the, this, this void um, with a lot of other things. Um, and it doesn't bring, once again, it doesn't bring uh, true happiness, does it? Um, it may bring a, a good feeling for a little while. And people can do this with religion. That, that's why you see all these pop up sometimes the next phase of these mega churches or this next big denominations come up because people are searching for that feeling. So what people do is say, let's give them that feeling. Let, let's give them this kind of feeling and it may be some kind of entertainment. Well, that may make us feel good for a little while, but is it going to last? No, it, it can't last because that's not where that, that true contentment comes from. That true peace, that true where I, I don't feel like I'm longing for God is because that's where I'm, I'm searching for. And David says what he's doing here and what it really boils down to is, you know, we don't crave, quit craving that feeling until the end, do we? Until we're actually with him. And that's what we should desire to do and that's what we should want to do. Um, but again, I think many times that's not... Uh, That's not exactly what what happens. Any thoughts before we go on to the next one? Nothing? Look at verses 3, maybe through 6 here. He says, Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. My mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. So now David is describing, okay, here's how I long for you, and here's why, because you are the only one that can truly bring satisfaction. You're the one that can only bring that fullness. If I need, just like in the desert needing water, the only thing that can bring that is water. David said, that's all that you can do, that you bring God is that You're the only one that can satisfy that. Your loving kindness is better than life. So David places God's loving kindness over life itself. Now think about that. And think about why do you think he used loving kindness? Is there any other attributes about God that you could use? You know? You think about loving kindness when... What, what does loving kindness mean? Anybody know? Steadfast love, yes. By nature, God's desire to love Yeah, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It's like new every morning. Why? Because it's, as, as we sing that, as it comes from Psalms, we, we, we look at what God does and we look at how He does that for us. And how he's there for us, there's really no one else that can accomplish what he can. Is there? Is there anyone that can love more than God? Uh, a greater love more than his? Is there uh, 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 any any better mercy than God can bring? Any greater righteousness? Any, so there's there's nothing greater than, than what he is. And David says here, your loving kindness is better than life. You you think about what uh people will do to preserve life you know i think there's a lot of things in which we we try to do to preserve life david here is saying that life is nothing compared to what god can do and what god god is what his loving kindness is um someone once said this people regard life as natural david regarded god's great love as natural People enjoy life. David enjoyed God's great love. People value life. David valued God's great love. People will sacrifice to live. David was sacrificed for God's great love. People want to give life to others. David wanted to give God's great love. People despair without the sense of life. David despaired without the sense of God's great love. And I like how this person put this because, you know, you start thinking about. Uh, What God did, the plan that God provided for us, everything that he put forth for us, there's no greater love than that. And I think that's what we're, you know, truly craving. That's what we're truly wanting is that kind of, uh, that kind of love, that kind of, um, I don't even know how to describe it, but. As David did, it, it, it's just greater than life. So David, in his dark time here, and in this, this you know hiding out because of of what family and friends, close friends, is is doing to him and wanting to do to him. You know, you think about this time that he's in in his life, and you can go to Second Samuel, what is it, fifteen through 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 seventeen, and see the the things that's transpired with 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 Absalom and David, but you think about the time in David's life that he's at, but yet what's on his mind is his desire for God, you know. Um, I keep thinking back when I hear things like this, what uh, Raju said to me going to one of the villages in India, when I just asked him, you know, how are people willing to sacrifice their life here? You know, some of them getting beat and thrown, uh, thrown out in the cold and all this just for obeying the gospel. And and his response was, because there's something better. There's nothing here. There's something better. So you don't look at what's here. You look at what's to come, and then you can face anything that's here. And I've thought about that over the years since he told me that in in the car there uh, uh, going to a village. And And I keep thinking, going back to that at different times, when we get in our mind that, it's, it's not about what's here, it's all about what's, what's coming and what we're going to, then we can be like Paul says and learn to be content anywhere, can't we? You know, in a cave, on a throne, it really doesn't make any difference where we're at. That peace, that, that, that longing, we can still fulfill because whether David's sitting on a throne or in a cave, is God going to be any different with him? He's going to be the same, isn't he? Whether he's on the run or whether he's, he's the one in victory in battle on the field. It doesn't make any difference. It's still God. God is still the same. That doesn't change. So that can be the one constant in our lives no matter what changes. Now again, we can look at, look at that through the circumstances of our life and it can skew that. But if we look at our circumstances through the point of view of what that is, like we talked about last Sunday night, of, of what... Uh, uh, God is then our circumstances won't matter then will it? We'll be able to get through it and I think that's what David uh, here is able to do and he says my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness in other words I I can only be filled by you Uh, uh, you're the only one that can fill uh, fill me up and as David said in Psalms 23 what did he say? My cup runneth over it's not that you just give me enough for, to sustain me. what you give me makes my cup run over. You give me more than I can you know than I actually need there, there There's more of what God gives us so much we can't hold it in our cup. So David, no matter where he's at, he realizes that and I think that's a a, a pretty big point to me that you know many times in this life we we try to we try to get that other places uh and again, I think we can do that in our worship. We can do that in our Bible study. We can, we can say, well, I just don't feel fulfilled or I don't, you know. I had someone tell me that one time. I was asking them about a certain place they went to. And I said, why would you change and, and go there? And, and their exact words to me were, I just feel so spiritual there. And so I asked them, well, what makes you feel that way? And the things that they were telling me, had nothing to do with spiritual things had nothing to do with with God necessarily it had to do with with everything that was going on around that Uh, again to try to fulfill that void Um, well what happens when that runs out well you're going to chase the next thing aren't you we're we're never going to be content we're going to go to the next crowd and then we're going to go to the next crowd next crowd then pretty soon we're going to run out places to go then then where's it going to be well, you have to be like David and realize, well, I can even find that in a cave, you know. I, that's God's going to be there if I just let Him be there. That—that's what I'm looking for. That's what I should find. But many times, that again, that's not the case. And He said, "My mouth shall praise You with joyful lips when I remember You on my bed. I meditate on You in the night watches." In other words, the day is not enough. I mean. David at every time in his life, God is a part of his life. I mean, think about Paul. Remember Paul and Silas in the inner part of the prison? What were they doing? Remember what they were doing? Singing. Again, how 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 does David do this in hiding and in exile? And how does Paul and Silas do that in the prisons? And sometimes we can't do that on comfortable pews with air conditioner. So what's the difference? I mean, that's really what it boils down to, isn't it? You know, what, what all, think of all the things that we go through to try to make us comfortable just to be able to study and, and, and learn from God, which nothing wrong with it in itself, but what does it take? I mean, what, what does it really take to, to get to that point? As Paul said, I've learned whatever state I'm in, learn to be content. You know, learn to be at peace. And you, you think of all the things that he went through, how did he learn to do that? Well, I think that's the key. He learned to do that, didn't he? How how do you learn that? Yeah, it's just like love. How how do you teach love? Well, if you look at love as not just an emotion, you look at it as a choice that you do. You look at it as something that you choose to do, and you diligently do that. Well, that's what that this is the same thing here, isn't it? Like Bill said, practice we do that, that becomes, I make that choice to do that. You know, I, I, I make God a, a, a priority in my life because that's a choice that I make to do that. And when we make that choice, then it becomes part of who we are, uh, don't we? You know, it, it becomes, uh, it gets easier to do, and that's not a bad thing. You know, we talk about Christianity being hard. There's nothing wrong with doing all we can to make it easier. But, how we, but we have to make sure we're doing the right things to make it easier. If, if what we're doing to make it easier is learn more about God so it's easier to understand and live by Him, or do we try to make it easier by make me comfortable and let me change God's Word to fit my life? Well, there's a difference in that. And, and David here says, My mouth shall praise you with joyful lips when I remember you in my bed and meditate in the night watches. Uh... Let's look now at, what is it, verse 7 and 8? Yeah. He says, thanks, uh, uh," he said, because you have been my help, uh, therefore in the shadow of your wings I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. Now notice, because you have been my help. How many times do you think David thought in a cave or when he was in the wilderness, when he was exiled, He's by himself. How many times do you think runs through his mind all the things that he, he can remember that God's done for him? Do you think he thought about it a few times? Hmm. Yeah. What do you think that would do for him? Yeah, I, th- I think it would help build him up. You know, uh, you think about all that uh, he did, as he says, to seek him all the things that he's seen that God has done. And now he's saying here, because you have been my help, he's able to look back and say, this is, this is why I'm able to do this. Because God, there's no doubt in my mind that you were a part of that. You know, it's easy to see after you go through it, but he can look back and see that. You know, you take Hebrews uh, 11 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that comes before God must believe that he is and He's a rewarder of them that do what? Yeah, diligently seek him. Now think about that. i uh, I got to believe that God is. I believe that David believes that, doesn't he? He believes that God is, but he also believes how important it is to seek God, diligently seek God, and the rewards and the benefits that's there with it. That's what what faith is. You know, uh, that uh, we can't please him without it, because I've got to believe that he is. Okay, that, that gets a whole group of people believing that he is. But that's not enough. I've got to believe that he rewards those that diligently seek after him. That's where the rubber hits the road. That's where the dividing line is. That Am I seeking God or do I just believe that he's there? There's a big difference in that. And I've got to believe what he will do. So David not only believes that God is his God... He's confident in what God will do, and that that takes some um, that takes some faith to do that. How confident are we are in God? Um, it depends on how close we are to God, I guess, doesn't it? Um, he says. Yeah, I think it's real good to recognize that because I think while we're going through it, a lot of times we don't see it, do we? It, it, it's easier to look back on it and know that uh, that he did that when we have the emotional state and the the peace of mind to do that because sometimes we don't have that when we're going through it. All we're doing is just trying to get through it, trying to survive. But if we always have, again, if we seek him early, if we always have that at the forefront of our mind that God is the, the, the first thing in our lives, truly the first thing in every part of our lives, then we're going to be able to see this. You know, we're not going to say, oh, I can fix this myself. Let me do this. And we go through all these other things first and realize all we're doing is just getting ourselves in a mess. And then sometimes we just need to be still and let God. We need to just be still and, and think about this for a minute. And sometimes the best thing to do is, is not do what we thought we should do. You know, uh, we, we can be pretty, I'm bad for that. I think, okay, this is what I'll do. And then I just do it and then realize, well, maybe that wasn't the best way to do that. I could have done it this way. And that's kind of uh, hard to adjust to. Because what it is is we give up control. But that's what we, we did when we became a Christian, didn't we? We just don't realize we did sometimes. We, we gave up control. It's no longer our life. It's no longer us that lives, but Him. It, it's no longer our life anymore. Remember, that old man died. <laughs> we're, we're not that man anymore. We're not that person anymore. That, that, that person's gone. But as He says, take up our cross daily, I think it's a, a, a sacrifice that we make each and every day, isn't it? You know, it, it's, it's one that we choose to do each and every day, each and every morning. We, we, we choose to do that. Uh, as Paul says, when we make that living sacrifice in Romans 12, 1 and 2, that's just our reasonable service anyway. He said, don't get all excited about it. That's just what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> that's, that's base level. That's, that's the baseline is, is our sacrificial life. That, that, that's your reasonable service anyway, but it becomes a, a, a big deal to us because we don't want to give it up. And then, when we, you know, it, so it's, we make it bigger than what it really needs to be, if that makes any sense. It's a big deal to sacrifice our life to Christ, but we make it harder than it needs to be because we're not really willing to do it. Right. (laughs) It's just a matter of who's in that spot because Mm -hmm. anything else than him, he can all fall apart. But if he's in the right place, everything else will probably be what he's supposed to be living in. I I mean, think about this. If our life, if we lived our life truly as God said to do it, would it be a better life? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it really would be the life that we're desiring the life that we're longing for that we're chasing somewhere else and chasing a different way. Uh, we, we just don't really realize the freedom that God has given us, the bondage that he's released us from. And we, we really don't realize it many times that, that that's what he uh, did. Uh, he said, Therefore, in the shadow of your wings I rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. Uh, comfort, protection, uh, David said, I have it. I, I have what, uh, what God has given me. Now, there, there's something that run across my mind as we've been studying Psalms. Uh, and you think about it, if, if you really trust God, was David running because he was a f- fearful of his life? And and didn't want to die, if David had that much trust in God, why does he run? I think sometimes we, I say we, myself sometimes have a misconception of we almost want to do what Satan wanted Jesus to do. Cast yourself down. You know, God said it wasn't going to hurt you anyway. You know, I think sometimes we we get that kind of feeling and let Satan tempt us in that way. Well, it doesn't matter. God's going to protect me anyway. God's God's gonna fix all my problems. I, I do whatever I want. He's not gonna let anything happen to me. And I'm standing out in the middle of '56, and there won't be a car run over me. I, I think sometimes we get almost that picture in our mind of what Christianity is gonna be like, but it's not. Uh, I think David running, I think is a he knows. I think it goes back to why he did or didn't kill Saul. You know, he had opportunity to do it. He, he left that up to God. David is going to do what he can do to preserve his life, but if he dies, he dies. But he's going to do what he needs to do. Uh, it still doesn't mean he don't think God is protecting him. Uh, I think it means... And I'm just answering this question for myself because I think things like this sometimes. You know, uh, why did he run from Saul when he knew he, God told him already he was going to be king? You know, why did he do these types of things? Uh, and we can get into a whole thing. There's a difference in God knowing what's going to happen and actually God predestining it to happen. We can get into predestination and uh, God's foreknowledge with this a little bit. But we got to understand we still have a life to live. And there are things we can do that can cause our life to be shorter or longer by the decisions that we make. Uh, you know, if we want to live a long life, we can do do this. If we want to see good days, we do this. You know there's ways in which we can make our days better. And extend our days within, uh, within the reason of what our abilities are. But David here, as he's facing this, he's still able to face it uh, with God's help. Verses 9 and 10. But those who seek my life to destroy it shall go in the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for the jackals. Uh, I tell you, this is getting into some of my favorite parts of Psalm again where David goes through all the praises to God of wanting God to help him, but then he goes into vindication. But I know what you're going to do. You're going to wipe my enemies out. At the end it's going to be over. And I think David here is is picturing a a battlefield of after the battles go you, you think of uh, 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 the corpses is there on the battlefield what's going to happen to some of them? Here come the jackals, here come the Uh, 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 the beasts of the field coming in and take, I think David has some of this picture in his mind because he was one uh, 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 of of a great warrior. He said, they shall be a portion for the jackals. Uh, Their end is going to be laying dead on the battlefield. As David said, you know, going to walk through their blood at one time. Um, Because he knows what the ultimate end is going to be. No matter what happens to him now, the ultimate victory is going to be God's. Uh, the, the enemy is going to be destroyed. Vindication is going to come to, uh, uh, to God's children. So it's a, David says, I, that's what I, and I don't think there's anything wrong with looking forward to that. Looking forward to that end to where we get that ultimate peace. We get that ultimate uh, 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 able to praise God, of being close to God, but also the, the, the vindication that's there that all the sacrifice was worth it and that the enemy will be destroyed. I think that is a wonderful thing. Verse 11, But the king shall rejoice in God, everyone who swears by him shall glory, but the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. Again, he goes through not asking God for anything, but telling God how close he wants to be to him, how wonderful God is to him, and what's ultimately going to happen to the enemies. And I think David's pretty confident when he does that.